Greetings once again, and welcome to this week's Rinky Dinking, presented by the greatness of Duncan. This week, the truthiness edition. Bold statements from yours truly, from Mike. I use that in quotes, Mike. Uh, and fresh off the Billy Crystal level hosting of the Dinkies, Jeff Totes. <laughs> uh, so these gas bag statements might be based in fact. They may not. Uh, so I'll begin. Due to my unhealthy love of smoked Gouda, I've been backed up like the Suez Canal. <laughs> I need some probiotics. <laughs> they are my tiny tugboats. <laughs> that's comedy. Oh, that's big time transportation and moving goods and services around comedy right there, isn't it? Huh? Time. How are you, Mike? How are you, Mike? <laughs> I'm good. I'm, you okay? I was trying to, yeah, I was trying to think of that uh, Saturday Night Live bit with those little, uh, those little cereals that uh, go through your colon like a scrub brush. <laughs> Did you oh. not remember that one? That was, I think it was a John Belushi commercial where he was um. selling a cereal that would uh, unstop a, a colon. I remember the Wheaties, the little, when there were donuts. Yeah, little chocolate donuts. The Olympics, he's fat, he's smoking everything, and his <laughs> breakfast of champions, he's eating little chocolate-covered donuts. <laughs> That's a great bit. That's that was a great good one. times. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you there, uh, Totsi? You're producing this extravaganza from the road, are you not? On the road, fresh off the flight to Nashville. Going to be on the road for a while, aren't you? Yeah, this is a long one. Mm. Good cities, though. Oh, yeah. Wow. Good, you enjoy that. <laughs> good cities to sit in a hotel room for 10 yes, days. They look so great outside my hotel room window. <laughs> nice views. Yep. Nice, uh, happy to be here, though, in Nashville. Yep. You're on the road. Mike is all refreshed from uh, skiing the slopes of Stodd or wherever he was. And uh, we're, we're all ready to just podcast this thing into submission, aren't we? Yeah. I'll tell you where the stars are. Uh, are all bang, uh, bunged up right now, though. You know where they are? Overtime. That's where they're bunged up a bit. The outcome, unfortunately, has become painfully predictable for our little stars when they go to OT. And this is an ongoing problem, is it not? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's reflected in a lot of different things, too. I mean, I, I think it's quote-unquote, the microcosm of the season. They get to well, overtime. Don't use all they, the big words there, Mike. <laughs> they can't make that shot. They can't make that save. And that, you know, really is what the problem is this year. They just are not coming up with big plays when they need big plays. I, I was looking prior to the game yesterday that did not go to overtime. And dating back to the end of last season, the Stars' record past 60 minutes is 2-13. and 13. Ouch. Because if you – you probably don't remember. I barely remembered. But the final stages of the of the season, the regular season before it shut down and then COVID and then the bubble and all that, uh, I mean, they were fine. They were they were pretty good in overtime prior to that, and then they, they lost their way a little bit late. I think they lost the last four that went to overtime last year. And then what's gone on this year has been – uh, real burr in the saddle of the coaches and and everybody involved. And you're right, Mike. You alluded to it that uh, you know they're not obvious. Obviously, you win in overtime if somebody scores, or if your goalie doesn't give up uh, any goals come shootout time. 
this is where the sting of not having Tyler Sagan in particular uh, can get felt. Tyler has scored eight overtime goals for the Stars in his time in Dallas. That's second only to Mike Madonna, who has nine or had nine. And Tyler also with 17 shootout goals for the Stars. Do you know who's number one? That That's tied for second, by the way. Do you know who's numero uno? I would say UC Okanen. Mm, he's tied with UC. Ah. So then Zuboff? No. Yeah, I'm missing I don't this. think Zuby was in enough to be up in that category. Probably close. Remember Mr. Cheeky himself? Loved this stuff. Mike Ribeiro. Oh, that's right. Mike Ribeiro with 20 shootout goals. He came in so slow. Remember oh, that? my God. <laughs> they would just absolutely hypnotize, paralyze, and lobotomize those netminders. Come shootout time, and stars were so incredibly successful uh, coming out of that that lockout when things began, 05, 06. Yep. When they introduced it. So, anyway, it is, it, it's been costly. There's no way around it this year and uh it it just doesn't it it just never really feels like like they're gonna they're gonna win it like they're just they feel like or it seems like uh they're cursed in three on three because they've certainly had their opportunities and then they just don't seem to have the horses for for the shootout when they get there maybe it'll change here on the road maybe they need they need it to be they need it to be much better. It would be nice if it was just marginally better than what it has been so far. Because those are valuable yeah. points, man. Yeah, I have them at 25% shooting percentage, which is 21st. And then I was a little bit shocked by this. 750 save percentage, which is 23rd in the league. And that is not getting it done. That's in the shootout. Yeah. I mean, the save percentages are always awful in shootouts. You notice that around? The one that... The one that I found fascinating was when uh, they got into another one against Nashville, and I think, I think Rene was at like eighty or close to ninety career shootouts that he's been in. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah, like that. That's a lot of those. And he's obviously, you know, even your best guys are only about fifty-fifty in that regard. Yeah, it's the other end where, you know, no Alexander Radulov a lot. No Tyler Sagan ever. And some of the guys that have gone that have had success in past have, uh, just have not scored a lot. Yeah. So anyway. And there's a lot of pressure on it too. I mean, I think you can see the wheels turning in their heads as they're trying to think up new moves because goalies kind of understand what you did the last game and everybody's seen the video and, you know, they have some scouting. So like even Jason Robertson, I think has had some great moves, but then he's also come in and just done nothing because I think he kind of overthinks it sometimes. Yeah. I wonder how much they work on it in a season like this. Yeah, it's not a whole lot of time. No, you know, it'd be kind of one of those last things to be like, we need to fix our power play and our D zone coverage is no good. We'll get around to the shootout here at some point. But there was a a team, or maybe it was the goaltender that wanted it. Somebody, Somebody does breakaways. I think it might be Jonathan Quick of the LA Kings. At the end of his warm up. Uh, they they do uh, breakaways. I think it might have been him. 
or maybe it was somebody with the Minnesota Wild. But I, I remember they're sitting there watching warm up and just thinking, wow, that's that's different. Nobody does that. But it makes sense. Yeah, smart. I mean, it's an important thing that can give you an extra point. So yeah. you should be prepared for it. I've often wondered that, you know, I've watched a ton of volleyball in my life and and uh, at times I'm it beats me down that they have they warm up forever and they go through a full warm up. Like my daughter would play in those tournaments and they'd have like an hour off and then you'd think, "Okay, they're going to come back to have an abbreviated warm up and then they nope, go through the full warm up again." And uh and then away they go into the game. And uh, but they they cover a lot of what they're going to do in in the game. And I wonder sometimes in hockey why they wouldn't like for instance take face-offs and warm up just yeah. for the rhythm of it, right? But they don't. They just everyone does the same warm up. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? It is it's crazy. It's been that way would, forever. Like everybody yeah, does it, pretty much the exact same warm up every game. You would think coaches who are looking for an advantage would try different things. Would you try think players you know, would want something different. Yeah. You know? But anyway. Uh, it also what happened was the Stars uh, are 20 home games into their schedule all of a sudden. Wow, did that smack you in the side of the head. That is crazy. And the record is bizarre. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just that, – that's a crazy home record is what that is. Seven, and you, six, and seven. <laughs> and you have to be good at home. I mean, you really do, because the road is a hard place. Well, and, right, and and most teams have been. We, we talked about it, Josh and I did, uh, prior to the game uh, yesterday, that this is a season that is that is a departure from where the game was going and where home ice advantage was going. Because in the playoffs and in the regular season in recent years, the the home ice advantage was no advantage at all. It right. was basically 50-50. And that, that was stunning in some ways. It was like, why is that? You understood it maybe a little bit when they were in the bubble in the playoffs because there was obviously no home ice advantage. There were no fans, and they were all playing in either Edmonton or Toronto. But then you get into this season, and there are few fans in some places, like, like here in Dallas and other places there are none, and yet most teams have just dominated on home ice. Go figure. Yeah, I think a part of it is just it's been so unusual and so many different things that have been thrown at them that I think maybe having that familiarity of whether that's your practice rink or sleeping in your own bed or whatever, it, it certainly has to help some. And then the other thing I think, you know, when you're on the road, it's just weird. I mean, you're stuck in your hotel room. I just mm. think that would be strange. Yeah, I, I think that, well, Totsi can probably speak to that. but I, It is, it is. I, I, it, it, there's no, There's no joy on the road. There's no real fun it's just business right yeah yeah especially with the compression of the schedule this year there's no time for fun yeah you're just playing playing games and that so yeah you're probably right maybe that is the home ice advantage uh but i don't know it just seems maybe it'll be a one-off uh, i don't i don't know we used to always think that you know crazy buildings with uh, packed fans and that's an advantage but it wasn't playing out that way prior to the pandy. So uh, the other thing that, that I, th I thought, as we make bold statements here, uh, the 2020 bubble stars took advantage, it seemed like, of every break they got. And the 2021 stars have not been able to take advantage of virtually any. Is that true? Yes. 
A true it statement is. by Daryl Ray. It is. And then I don't know why. Is that confidence? Confidence feeds confidence and swagger. Is it luck? Sometimes you get luck and sometimes you don't. But, I mean, like, you just want – like, the last – that whole overtime series in the last game mm-hmm. where, you you know, you get a gift of a guy being offside by a half a millimeter – and then you go down and try and score and almost do it twice, and then the puck comes back and you lose with 10 seconds left in the game. I know. It's just weird. That has started people believing there's some kind of a curse going on. I don't know why that would be or what what it would be, but you're right. That, that to me, was a perfect example of what I just stated. Yeah. That they get breaks like that. And, and it feels like when even when they, they get goals overturned on coaches' challenges – and you think, okay, well, there's an advantage. That's going to be a big deal within the game. And then, you know, air out of a balloon. Yeah. And and uh, it doesn't seem to have that same impact. Whereas when when they got a break in the bubble, man, they they pounced on that. I mean, they they drove off of that, and it drove their run to the Stanley Cup final. So uh, I, I I can't don't have an explanation for it either. I, part I of think it is there. I think your I confidence say, thing, though, is part of it. I, I think everything feeds off of everything. That that if you if things are going really well, it's the old you know finding a way to win, finding a way to lose. Right. And and there's re, there's serious reality in in that that it just becomes habitual, and that the mind is telling you, well, this is going to happen for us, and then it does. Then you're like, well, why wouldn't it happen again? Because it did last time, and vice versa. Yeah, it's interesting. I think they've had – I don't know the actual number, but in my head I'm, I'm thinking about four or five key third-period power plays where it's either been they've been down by one or it's tied, and they have every op- – like they've been given a really great opportunity, and they just squander it, the five-on-three the other night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they've done that several times, and, and I don't know why. You know, you would think in, in situations like that, and I guess maybe there is a level of calm you have to have to go with the – you know, the, the termination, um, but they just aren't, they, they're not seizing the moment the way they did in the bubble. Yeah. I mean, you can go all the way back to that uh, first road trip when they went to Carolina, it was the same thing. They had a, they yeah. had a full power play in overtime and, and couldn't get it done. So yeah, there've been I just too many of those opportunities like that, that have stacked up, that have stuck out. And it's part of the reason why they have, the uh, what now is an 11, 12, and nine record, <laughs> you know, like it's just a little bit of everything yeah. or a lot of everything now at this point. And uh, they, and yet <clears throat> there they are, right? They're, they're still within six points of, of fourth place in, in the division. I, I remember when they went to South Florida like five weeks ago and they were seven points out of fourth. So seven points back of then, I believe it was Chicago as well. Although Chicago's been caught, right? I think yeah, the Preds and fourth. Yep. Preds have caught them, uh, and uh, you know you, the the stars stated that they wanted to whittle into that seven points out. And part of the the deficit was the fact they hadn't played enough games because of the the delay, the weather delay, and and obviously the start of the season with COVID. So you look. 
fast forward to today, five weeks later, and they sit six points out. So in some ways, they have whittled in by a point, I guess. <laughs> but I believe their desire was to whittle in a little more than that, take a little bigger chunk than just one point out of that and get back into it. But they have not lost ground. And yet, at times, it feels like, oh, my God, how could they still be within six points of a playoff spot when you consider that they have so seldomly won games? They they haven't lost completely like they did the other uh, day where they lost 4-1 to one in regulation. That hasn't happened very often. Uh, they've, they've lost by one. They, they've lost by a sliver, and they've lost in overtime, or they've lost in in shootouts, but they have not won all that much, and yet there they are with a ton of games still available. Yeah, I think if you look at Nashville, well, that whole group of teams is, they're all just kind of fluttering all over the place, and, and one's going to emerge from the group. And if you, you believe look at what that? Nash- I do. Well, one team has to. I mean, well, one four- team will finish with more points than the others. I don't think one of those teams is going to take off, though, and and – I think they're going to continue you may to be right about with that. one another. Yeah, and it'll it'll all just come down to the last couple of games. But the, yes. I guess the one thing I, I, I do see is Nashville, I think, is 6-1 and one or 7-1 and one in their last eight. They've had injuries. They basically, a lot of people had given up on them already. I mean, the mm-hmm. fan base was really upset in Nashville. And, and yet here they came out of this group, and they found a way to string together some wins. You know uh, how? Chicago uh, goaltending? Yes. <laughs> when yes. Chicago, when Chicago righted itself, it was goaltending. Same yes. thing, you know. Like, I mean, you, you do it, need it is, that. It is. It is one of those years. Not that goaltending isn't important all the time, but if you if you look at how Nashville got themselves up, basically off the mat, because if if you were listening to anybody talk nationally on on the Canadian broadcasts or you're reading stuff nationally. Uh, on the intraweb, the, they were all talking about, well, where's Ekholm going to go? And, uh, you know, who else is available from Nashville? Obviously, they're going to uh, just empty the cupboards and and uh, start over there and that. And then they, they had that eight-game road trip that started in Dallas and ended in Dallas. And their goaltending just were almost perfect. Like, if you can go for a couple of weeks with – your goaltenders stopping 94, 95% of the shots they face, you're going to win a, a bunch of hockey games without, yep. without much going on offensively because you don't need it. And that's what happened with them. That's what's happened at times with Chicago. And then when Chicago's goaltending falls off just a little bit, uh, they, they just don't, they don't have the, the powerhouse, the firepower. Or games just get tipped differently than they do when your goalie stops everything. Yeah. It's it's an amazing thing. I it's so much like golf. It really is, and I, it's been said a thousand times that goaltending in hockey is like putting in golf. It has zero relationship to how the rest or most of the game is played. But if it's not the strongest part of your game, you don't score. You don't win, yeah. and that's just the reality. It can you can have okay putting or good putting. But you'll probably get beat by somebody who's just draining everything. That's that's the way the sport is, man. Yeah. And on the good side of all that, the stars seem to have the goaltending that they can get into a place where they can make a run with it. And and in yes. fact, 
with the back-to-back games and the two goalie situation, you would think that they have an advantage on some of these teams. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But you, you're going to need kind of, uh, you know, just a steady stream of what Anton did in Florida when he stopped 43 and they won three to nothing. I think the third one was an empty netter. Or what the kid did at home against Tampa Bay where there's a moment within the game where this is either going to go really bad or we're going to have a chance to win, depending on whether our goalie gets us through, whether it's a penalty kill or a bunch of errors defensively in our own zone or a big breakaway chance or whatever it is, right? Right. That's that's what that type of goaltending does for you. And that's why they've missed Ben Bishop throughout the year too. Because, uh, look, he's a... <laughs> He's a, a perennial finalist for the Vezina Trophy as the best goalie in the league. Like this, you can't argue against that. That's what he's been. And such a big part of the penalty killing that was so stout when he and, and Rick Bonus were together in Tampa Bay. And it was the same thing here. Changed a little bit with the coaching change that Rick doesn't run the penalty killing anymore. And, and uh, Ben got injured and surgery and... You know, they went into the game yesterday. I think they were 20th in the league in penalty killing, which is not what they usually are or have been. Uh, and it's it hasn't been the strength that it has been in, in past. And special teams and goaltending, I said it at the end of last night's game, they head out here with all these road games, like heavy, heavy road games. And if they're going to get in, they will get in on special teams and goaltending. And those yeah. two areas are going to have to be sensational for them and consistent for them yeah it's interesting one of the things i have to do is you know prepare for each game say okay this goalie is this against this franchise so you know ben bishop against florida ben bishop against tampa bay ben whatever going down the list and i swear to you every single team is like 2.12 920 save percentage. Ben Bishop <laughs> yeah. against Carolina, 920 yeah. save percentage. Ben Bishop against Washington, 920. You know, you just go down the list and you're just like, every single team, he is that little bit better than whoever else, you know, whether that's Ottinger or Hudobin or like his numbers say he's one of the top five, six yeah. goalies in the league. And so they definitely do miss him this year and, and they need their goalies to, to, you know, be just that one save better in some of these games. Yeah, I mean, we're beating this thing around, and we have for months. It's the reality. Like, there's a reason why certain individuals are who they are and regarded as highly as they are and uh, referred to as as game breakers. That's, yeah. you know, you either, you either have game breakers or you don't. You can play a terrific team game uh, religiously and repeatedly, but you, you at some point within the game need to break that game. Break that game. And <laughs> that can be your elite net minding. It can be players like Alexander Radulov or Tyler Sagan. Or, you know, there's been talk, so much talk lately about Rope. And there's no question that Hints helps when he plays. You know, he plays, he hits the score sheet. And usually the goal column. But it, it was, it's interesting that the impact on wins and losses is kind of negligible. Have you do- dived? Is it dived or dove? Have you dove? I think it's dove. Dove. Dive? It's divin. Div- divid. Have divin. you divid? Divin. Dividedly. 
dive. Have you jumped into that? <laughs> uh, I will say At this. All. I believe they are two or oh, two and six in games when Rope, the last eight games that Rope hasn't played. So it does seem like his. Yeah. Impact. So, okay. What does that mean? I don't know. Well, the I do think part. I do know this. It's the six part that kills me. Well, that yeah. is that is huge, and and even Rick talked about that when we were talking about the the problems at home that you win three or four of those, you know, yeah. overtimes or shootouts, and all of a sudden now you're you're looking at the home record a lot different. Um, yes, but I will yeah. say it, when when they wanted to win, you know, the the second game, so they go in, they play Tampa, they want to win, put a win streak together for the first time since January. And then mm-hmm. you you go up there for warm ups and Rope's not there, and I you're know. like, well, what a you know what a disappointment that is with the I air know. out of the balloon and all that. And so yeah. now all of a sudden this lane has this line has to change and this line has to change and they have to put this guy in. And and I do appreciate how difficult it is for the coaching staff when they do that. Like so they come up with a solution, it works perfectly against Tampa. You're lining up against Florida and you're like, oh wait, we can't do the same thing we did last game. So I do. The fact that he's in and out and in and out, like I always used to say that that Lindros was one of the most dangerous players to have on your roster because he's so important to everything you do, and then he's gone. Hmm. And and it, you know, there is when you have that injury prone superstar. Were you talking about his time as a Dallas star? No, I was talking about <laughs> before that time. But, Maybe but when he was here, flyer. I used to talk to people and say th- one of the most frustrating things for the Flyers with Lindros is he is your team. And now, and it's almost like uh, Luca now with the Mavericks, you take yes. him out of lineup and you're not very good. <laughs> you yeah. put him back into the lineup and you're one of the, you know, better teams in the league, I think. And so it's the same thing with Rope. It's really hard because he, he's so good. I like, how is he hurt? You watch him out there and you watch his speed and you watch how good he is when he's playing. You're like, well, he can't be hurt. Look at him. You know, I think he played 19 minutes the other night. You're like, Ooh, this guy's pretty good. And it is what it is, but it's very frustrating, I think, to have to to have that good of a player in and out of the lineup. Well, he didn't score yesterday, but he had three breakaways in the game. Like, yeah, you know, like, and and you, what you're talking about with Lindros is probably a little bit of what Rope provides when he's in the lineup. Is that all these other areas fall into the slots that they're supposed to be in, or more closely to the spots that they're supposed to be in within the lineup. Just with one guy. That that used to be Yuri Lettinen back in the day, too. Like, and yeah. he didn't miss very many games. But, man, they missed him when he didn't play. And then all of a sudden, he'd come back in, and then that line looked better, and that line looked better, and those two guys looked better because they were playing with him, and he'd fix every line. Yeah. But, but with hints, I don't know whether I have this right or not. I don't trust myself. But since we're going with truthiness and just statements, the last 11 games he's played in, the stars are five and six. Could that be true? Which is actually pretty, that's pretty good for them. No. <laughs> well, no, no, I mean. Uh, yeah, it, it could be. Yeah. Some combination of five and six. Who knows how that breaks down. Yeah. But so your eyes tell you exactly what we just talked about. And yet on the sheet in the win and loss column, it doesn't seem like there's that much difference. Maybe uh, when he's in. As opposed to when he's out, yeah. sure seems like it. But though, then, doesn't I, it? I mean, the, the yeah, the whole overtime shootout loss thing. That. I know. No, I think I, the actual numbers make sense because if they're he only has he's only scored two overtime goals in his in his career. 
Right. And he's 0 for 2 in shootouts. That so he's not, a, he's not an impact. Yeah. Well, then then don't go to shootout in overtime. Jeez, I would scratch him. I'd just healthy scratch him. That's what I would do. <laughs> Obviously, he's not going to help. <laughs> Bench him in the overtime. <laughs> yes. What a joke. <laughs> oh, See, my truth. God. These it's are truth been, bombs. Yes. It's been so hard to watch him play and then have him not play. Yeah. It's so hard because he's such a friggin' full gallop stallion out there when he's playing. Like, the game's just different. And and he's uh, – it's just tough. I can't imagine, like you said, the coaches – I don't know how – well, maybe they're not smiling. They have masks on. We never see them. So, <laughs> Well, and the other thing frowns. is, is when do they know? Like, you know, I think Rick's been pretty honest with us. In I, all this yeah, stuff. I believe like, he has too. And so then, yeah. like, he shows up at the game at 5 o'clock and you're going like, well, throw Pay in or out. Well, <laughs> we don't know. Let him go through warm-ups. We'll tell you at 15 minutes before the game starts whether he's playing or not. <laughs> Who is that Hitch the goal? Uh, Manny Fernandez, goalie. I remember uh, Hitch had him, and uh, Manny always had something wrong with him. And there there have been a few goalies like that through the years that I don't know whether it was a mental uh, crutch or whatever, But and Fernandez was a terrific netminder. But Hitch was always like, yeah, as long as I get him through warm-up, he'll be fine. <laughs> like mentally get him is. You know, going to warm up, and he's like, ah, you know, my, my groin is not feeling so good, or arm, or this bruise on this and that. And he's like, well, just try it in warm up. And then he'd get through warm up, yeah, okay, I'm good to play. And then he'd stop 38, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and with, with Rope, uh, you know, he played back to back games, and then, and then he didn't play. And then the next day, he's, he's back in again. And the one area I'll say, obviously, that he really seems to impact is the star's power play. As much as Pavelski has been the true catalyst of it and the the goal scoring and and that, but when you look at the star's number one power play unit when Rope plays and when he doesn't, there's a difference. Yeah. So. Yeah, and and I think he has he's he's got chemistry with Haskinen, I think for sure. And then I also think well, they're from the same he, country, Mike. Are you? Well, aware I know of that? that much. Well, oh. I'm going to go. Th- I'll throw you a curveball now. Uh, he also has chemistry with uh, Garyanov, and they're not from the same country. Hmm. And I think I think he does pull when him and Garyanov are on the ice together. He does pull something out of Dennis's game, whether that's confidence or he just lets him stop thinking for a minute. He's so fast that Garyanov just has to play and not think. Um, but they do seem to have chemistry when they're out there together. Maybe it's the same pace of play that helps. Yeah, you know, exactly. Both flying around there like early in the season, they were sport, they were one touch passing all over the place, and obviously Dennis got into a slump, and Robertson kind of took his spot. And uh, but but early in the season, I thought Garyanov and Hintz had really good chemistry together. So. I've liked Dennis's game uh, quite a bit lately. Yeah, better better. You know, he gets in a fight last night. That was funny. Yeah. That that by the way, that ties the stars for the number of scraps they were in all of last year in 69 games. <laughs> Did you know that? No. Yeah, that was their eighth fight this season. Was, Jamie Alexiak has most of them, but he has I was going to say Kl- Klinger and Garyanov leading the Yeah, way. Klinger's been in a fight. <laughs> Kling, Klinger and Garyanov fight against Florida. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, uh, but I will say them with it does too. It, it does good. show you that, you know, these guys who are not seen as, you know, agitators or enforcers or anything, they do have that competitive blood boiling. Like, they're not the biggest guys, but, 
you get into that where somebody quote unquote insults you or hits you or does something you you know you take exception mm-hmm. to, and I mean they they're going to respond physically, which I I, you, you like to see that. I do I, too. I, that to me. Like, there's all this debate about wh- whether fighting should be allowed or shouldn't be allowed uh, in the league, in the sport. And, you know, some of the fights, to me, are kind of like, well, what was that all about? Where, And I, I don't even like watching uh, some of the old fights. I like watching the really, really old fights. But that segment of time when fights were dangerous and staged and everything, it, I just... I have no appetite to even watch those on YouTube or anything or hockeyfights.com. But when two guys get mad at one another within the confines of the game, it's a moment within the game like that between Stillman and Gurionov the other night. Yep. That to me that's like that's why there's fighting. Would yep. you rather they just took a swing at each other with their sticks? Like they they got their yayas out quickly, you know, each guy threw a haymaker in there. Land, don't land, down they go, and then it's over with. Yeah. And I did, I loved when they got released from the box and both benches uh, very loudly applauded each player. Yeah. Because uh, there was respect within the team for, hey, you know, we needed that. We both, both teams needed that at that point in time. <laughs> yeah, we saw both ends of it because there was that one, and then there was Alexiak and, and uh, Shen. Yep. And, I mean, the play was going on in the corner, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to fight <laughs> center. And I, I wasn't sure what prompted that there was obviously something within there but i didn't see it it wasn't like yeah. obvious the guriana fight was pretty obvious he was yeah. ticked and they were trying to come back and there was some frustration and very competitive and seen each other you know two games in a short period of time and boom way they went yeah. so one thing that does bother me about the fights now is like when alexiak's just pounding a guy with a helmet and shield on and just carving his hand up. And you're just I like, I get it. You got to protect them and you got to keep your helmet on and do whatever you, but it just, you're just like, that is not a good mm-hmm. idea. Just your hand has to just be shredded after that. The fight doctor, Ferdy Pacheco would <laughs> not enjoy that. I don't think he's trying he put, to punch the numbers off his helmet. He'd have to put anyway. some Nakurachrome on there. You know what? Maybe That's maybe they're old, old fashioned medicine. What was that? Cura chrome? Did you never get? Yeah, it's this red stuff your mom would put on your uh, cut. I don't know. Uh, it was back when back, back in the forties when I was a kid. I was gonna say it was like motor oil or something that they put on your knuckles. Mercura <laughs> chrome. Look it up. The foil. I've never heard of that ever. <laughs> I'll I bring you got some. My my mom would just kiss it and say you're fine where you go <laughs> kiss your boo-boo i'd have my arm dangling broken exposed bone and it wouldn't matter she'd just send me back that's how i became so tough mike <sighs> you were a top drafted goalie back in the day i don't know if you're home please you know what the number one draft for coffee would be duncan hmm. the duncan the sweet cold foam would ah. probably go first overall. It's the perfect top to the perfect Dunkin' cold brew. DD Perks members can now try a medium cold brew beverage for just three dollars. I'll read that again. If you're a DD Perks member, you can try a medium cold brew if you haven't tried it before for just three bucks. Dallas Stars run on Dunkin'. The price and participation 
may vary. I nailed that. That is a heck read. of a price, though. That's a great deal. It's a great deal, and that was a great read by me. I nailed that. That was top-notch. Thank you. Thank you. There's no question. Hey, you know, right after we finished our little uh, podcast, Rinky Dinking and the Dinkies, brought to you by Duncan last week, uh, the whole Tim Peel thing broke. And we didn't get a chance to – it's kind of old news now, but not really. Is it? No. I don't think it no. is. Here, convince me that Tim Peel's hot mic uh, hit the highway dismissal wasn't about the coming sports gambling alliance. Hmm. I hadn't even thought about that. That's, That's all a really good about. point. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I thought I went the old school way of I kind of like – the refs being able to tweak here and tweak there, and oops, I made a bad call, so let's let me make it up in a in a few minutes, and 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 by the end of the game, it'll all be balanced out, and and I kind of trust a veteran ref that he knows how to manage a game, um, but yeah, it's it is hard because if you're not gonna trust them, then you've got to get them all right, and and now we're looking at replays, and this guy's a a centimeter offside and everything, so the people have the video evidence to say. This was right. This was wrong. We need to do this better. You know, we need to call this in real time as opposed to letting an old school referee try and manage a game and say, yeah, I missed this one, but I'll catch you up in a couple of minutes. It'll all it'll all even out in the end. And that's how I thought about it. But with gambling now, you're right. I mean, it. You gotta well, you know right. why the, the reason that shot straight into my mind cavity was the word integrity was just front and center. Yeah, and it was like, oh, I, I bet I know what that's all about going forward. And because, look, gamification, gambling is going to be a humongous part of sports and our sport going forward. And you know that that's why the the whole idea of not announcing your starting goalie and that stuff that we've talked about before, you're not going to be allowed to do that. I don't think. I think I think you're going to have to lay out more information than they ever have been comfortable with in our sport because of of online gambling, and you you know it, we we all we all know that referees are human and that's what they've done forever, you know <laughs> forever. Yeah. Uh, now it it got caught on a microphone, so blame broadcasting, I guess. I was surprised the refs kept the mics on after. Or weren't more curt on the microphones after the incident and Tim Peel getting uh, removed a month away from retirement, by the way, too. <sighs> uh, for basically just saying, look, I wanted to get a penalty against them. He used an F-bomb in there, but I wanted to get a penalty against them early. <laughs> it was like, whoa. Uh, but I, I, I just, I believe, I believe a huge reason why was, was just that. You, you cannot have that out there with gambling coming in because people would be like, well, how fair is your game? And our game is so random. <laughs> Even they can't control it. The guys in stripes, <laughs> there's no question. And then the other side of it was you heard a lot of what you just talked about, Mike, which was the, the game and managing the game and make up calls and all these other things. The, could you imagine a lot of people were clamoring for the referees to just call the game, like call the rule book, pardon me. Right. And 
they they did that coming out of the lockout, and it it was awful at times because the the game would just stand at one end. It would be that power play, and then they would try to get going, and then they'd call a penalty, and then the game would go to the other end, and they'd, they'd play the game that way. They, that's not our game. The reason that overtime is so phenomenal is that it flows up and down the rink, and that's really the essence of hockey is, is that flow in transition from defense to offense, chance and chance. It's probably why people love basketball, too, because it's just a uh, continuance of that throughout the game. It's just chance here, chance there, fast break. You know, every now and then it slows down. So there's speed changes. I've got another thought on that uh, coming up. That's not really what we're talking about here. Uh, but I have I have this proposal. If If they ever wanted to just buckle down and say, you know what, we're calling everything again, then... I, you couldn't just award power plays, two-minute power plays for every infraction. But you could award penalty shots. We saw one last night. I mean, how long did that yeah. take for Declare to take his penalty shot? Unfortunately, it didn't work out well for young Jake and the Stars. But it was like, okay, got fouled, and you go to center, and here's the chance, and then we're right back to the hockey game. So you you whether it would be once you get a certain number of power plays, then you go into the penalties and then it's just penalty shots, but it would allow the referees to call a lot more stuff, especially on top end players and not feel like, Oh my God, I can't give I mean, I just gave them four, like four of the last seven minutes have been on the power play. Can't give them another one here. And, but you could give them here and then you could, catch up in a game that way or you could fall behind in a game that way yeah thoughts it's an interesting theory i, I don't mind the old way of doing it um i think they which had a the game old, which old yesterday. way the old way calling the, old the book way, or the old way managing the game oh the old way of managing the game like they had a, i believe it was either yesterday or the day before where it was a key power play uh the defending team took a clear penalty and the refs just go we can't give them a two-man advantage this is a two-two game with four minutes mm-hmm. left or whatever and they mm-hmm. just decided we can't give them a two-man advantage, which I don't mind that. You watch college basketball, and at the end of these games, they're just killing each other. But it's that's the way it goes, and you have to earn your basket. And and I don't mind that because I guess that's been they've been doing it for you know however long, and so I'm kind of used to it. And you know the the game at the end is called differently than the game in the second period. Uh, and I know that can be frustrating and be especially frustrating if you have money on the game or whatever. Um, right. But, but I don't know, man, it, it's interesting. And, and, and the games change. It I is mean, the interesting. League, the leagues change, the games change. And this is, you know, you watch football and you could probably call holding on every other play, but you don't want to. Oh my to. God. They call the, the rate that they call pass interference is stunning. Ooh. Yeah. And so you used to have to like act absolutely maul a guy like a felony. And now it's just like, well, there was a bit of a shove there. Yeah. Yeah. Move him down. That's good. And and part of that is because they want the scoring. So the way you're you're saying it is, yeah, call the penalty. And then when you do have even strength play, people aren't going to be holding and hooking and tripping and cross-checking because they know that they could get penalized. So then all of a sudden now you've got a more open, free-flowing game and and more right. scoring. And, and that would I, be entertaining. Yes, but do you see what I mean, though, about, okay, 
let's use the pass interference thing as an analogy. So they that happens. It's different in college than it is in the NFL on where they move them, right? Right. What is the rule? 15 yards? I think it's 15 yards in college, yeah. Yeah, and then wherever the foul was in in the NFL. But go straight back to just football. Like, it's just football. There's no penalty. You don't play without a DB because of that. Whereas if if you called things as tight as as that in our sport, it it immediately turns into a different game. Like, it's a different game. It's not the same game. It's a power play. But if you said, okay, we're going to call it, but it's just a penalty shot, and if your goalie stops it, we just go straight back to the game again. If he scores, we're still going straight back to the game now. I think they would call games tighter like that. I really do. I, I, I think yeah. the, the whistles – and it would, it would help open things up, and it would help your top players uh, be more protected. Back 25, 30 years ago, your, your elite – Scoring players were protected by your your team cop, your tough guys, right? Your enforcer. Like people didn't touch them; they had all the room on earth. And if somebody did touch them, hell broke out. And they don't. You don't have that now. Teams don't have a, a team cop. That that position has been eliminated, unfortunately, for the most part, from most teams. Now some still sort of have it. Uh, you have to think Vegas still has that within their mix, right? Yep. Uh, but. But and I think LA has that in their mix. There are there are teams that that still employ that. Uh, Gabriel, I think, out with San Jose. I think they have. Maybe it's all California. <laughs> they're, the only, they're, <laughs> they're the only ones who are still sticking with that. So, uh, but nowadays you would have to have your referees be the policeman for your best player. And you watch some games. Uh, and like even uh, even last night, we were just talking about Rope on a breakaway. He got fouled on one of those three breakaways, but they they didn't call it. Right. And you're like, all right, they just decided not. Uh, no, you you got a shot on goal in the games, the game, and no, you're we're not calling it. So anyway, that's my soapbox on that. Yeah, I, I can else? see how your no, I can see how your theory would work. Um, and, and, and I will go back to the fact that officials aren't going to get everything right. They just, Oh, they're just human. My God. Can and you I mean, imagine? like you could, could you, you could imagine even make the argument right. that Duclair got a penalty shot? Rope didn't. How was that? Yeah. And that there you go. Com- could have completely changed the game. You don't well, give the that one was earlier shot. in the game than the other right. one. Correct. Yeah. The, and so it is, they, they call it at different times. I, you know, we sit there and you get frustrated by some stuff that isn't called and, it's easy in hindsight because we we're able to sit up top and watch it. And you're like, okay, well that guy got held there. And from that, then that happened, that happened, that, and they got that great scoring chance. Now the referee at the time doesn't know that all those other things are going to happen right after that, that it leads to. And he elects along the boards like, nah, I thought it was a puck battle and doesn't call it. And then away it goes and it turns into a scoring chance or a goal. And then you're like, well, man, why didn't they call that? Uh, if they called everything in the game, it it I I shudder to think of what the game would look like. Yeah. I really do. I I just it it would not it would not be enjoyable. That you need your referees to manage the game. You really do. Our our yeah, sport needs it. They they just do. It's the, it's the nature of our game. You you can't you you can't not have them do that. That's bad English, but you know what I mean. 
No, I think it's excellent English. Mm. It's, it's good Canadian. Okay, relating to that, hockey has become like a movie with too many car chases. Another statement by me. Hang that one Let in that the Louvre. But well, you're not stating anything. I'm doing all the stating. I know. Pre- I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to explain the statement to me. Okay. All the skating a bazillion miles an hour is titillating at first, but after a few of them, or when the chase goes on too long, it just kind of becomes exhausting. They're just nothing's really happening. They're just they're all skating up and down the rink, and it's not leading really to anything. It's just. Uh, it's just a long, exhausting car chase. You need yeah. character development. You need captivating dialogue. You need dramatic buildup in a movie. And we need all those things within a game, too. We can't just have... Wh- who is it? Michael Mann? Is he the king of the car chases in Hollywood now? Well, it's funny. My I just daughter... grabbed that out of thin air, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's I'm not sure if I'm good. right or not. Uh, Totsi should be helping us with this. I was going to say this is very relevant because this Wednesday, Godzilla vs. King Kong comes out, (laughs) a film I'm very excited about. (laughs) What kind of cars do they drive? Not necessarily car chases, but if you like buildings getting destroyed, you have about two hours of it nonstop. Okay. Too many buildings might get destroyed, though, and after a while it loses its effect, right? Because you want to feel... You want to feel for either the gorilla or the monster and and their their camps because they're going to be people that believe in one side or the other. Is there not? True. True. Or are, they, are you just going to put them out there and they're just going to destroy buildings and CGI and, and then you get up and leave? That That's all I'm there for. But I do think they're, oh my God. they're going to try. And, are you serious? They're going to try and put together a narrative around that. Oh. And a cool soundtrack. All you care about is the action, a cool soundtrack, and whether it's memeable. Is that what we're looking at? And whether or not Dwayne The Rock Johnson is in it. (laughs) That's my criteria. And Kevin Hart. My criteria of great films. (laughs) Kevin Hart. (laughs) Uh, My daughter is studying filmmaking, and so we talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, What was the, the World War II movie? Where they, um, gosh, I can't even remember. It was just a couple of years ago, and they stormed the beach uh, in uh, France. It was Tootsie. Anyway, point being is the director of that movie, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, took. No, it's it was the one where he took uh, the. It was uh, one day in <laughs> one day in a uh, uh, on the ground, one hour I think it was in the air. Oh, uh, Dunkirk. Some, Dunkirk. Okay, so he does all these things that really confuse you. And then he said, because you don't know who the people are that you're shooting in a war, he didn't want you to be familiar with the people you were shooting in the war, if that makes sense. So he wanted it to feel like you were really in a war and you're just shooting random people. And I'm like, I get the concept, but Mm -hmm. watching the execution, watching it was not fun. And then I went home and I watched Pearl Harbor, which a lot of people think is just a cheesy movie, but you get character development and you learn to, you know, relate to all these people who are in the film. And it was a much better movie. So I get what you're saying, Daryl, is that, you know, when all this becomes just chaotic, 
it really is hard to pick out the you know the beauty of the sport. It's just chaos. And mm. the Marvel the Marvel movies right now I think are that way too. Where you've got, you know, 27 different characters and all these aliens coming out of the sky and you're like, it's just too much. Look at Roger Ebert here all of a sudden. Huh? <laughs> I talk about this stuff at home some. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying that all of it is this way. I just find watching games, maybe I'm watching too much hockey because there's just hockey every <laughs> night and then our games every second night. But there, there's so much of the game now that you're watching it and they're all skating around. They all skate beautifully. And they're moving up and down at a, uh, just with breathtaking dispatch. And yet nothing is going on. It doesn't, it's not leading to enough. And they bang into one another every now and then, and the puck gets chipped here and it gets chipped there. But there, there's no real true beauty to it uh, until a lot of times until overtime. Uh, and then during the game, because of the, the rapid continuous play and it not stopping, and when it does stop, they're in such a hurry to get it started again, there's, there's not as much time for us to develop characters and to captivate the people with dialogue. Uh, and dramatic buildup. So really, it's just uh, it's a cry for for help from me. <laughs> My position. The, the storyteller needs to have a little uh, bit of pause every now and then. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed. Now we had too much of a pause at one point, point. Uh, and that you know we used to stop on every whistle for a minute, uh, and that was too much. That game yeah. was too slow, certainly in person. But, you know, if you got a good broadcast or a phenomenal broadcast like ours, you would fill those moments, those lulls, with uh, award-winning pictures and, and uh, color. color. Infotainment. That's that's Truly, that's what I am, color man. Uh, personal announcement coming up on that side here in a little bit, too. But first off, I thought uh, we should certainly hit on, on uh, our rookie. Did you see it? Like, Stars scored 12 goals on the homestand, and I, I called it last night the record on the homestand, a conservative forecheck, a one-two-two, <laughs> and uh, the but the rookie scored five of the twelve goals. Rookies, he's been amazing. Not no, not a rookie. All, all the all rookies, rookies combined. That's, yeah, uh, but that the is rookies, that is the one I, good part of this season is that with the injuries, the the younger players have had to take up. Mike, there's many good parts. Time. They're playing mm. hockey. The one. They are playing hockey. Jeez. Sorry about that. My God, Mike. One of the many good things okay. is the play of the younger One player. of the best things. How, how about that? How about Perfect. we do that? Okay. Well, to that end, Jason Robertson, this is another one of my statements. You ready? Jason mm -hmm. Robertson will challenge for the Calder, depending on how he finishes on the road. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> That's a big depending on. Okay, Jason Robertson has taken advantage of his opportunity and has been one of the absolute best rookies in the league this season. Now, you have to say that with a, a, bit, a bit of a, a tr treble in your voice because we, we, they're not playing one another. <laughs> they're only playing within their own divisions. But you almost have to do it comparatively so statistically and and a little bit eyeballs from watching other games because they never really play against one another. Uh, but almost all of Jason's production has come at home. 
Now, you could argue that most of the games have been played at home by the Stars so far. But he sits here now as they head to Smashville. Six goals, 13 assists for 19 points in 18 games at American Airlines Center. That is some pretty uh, sizzling production. On the road so far in the nine games, no goals, two assists. So that, that's that is a large why, split. <laughs> that's why I said what I said in the beginning. So if he can continue even at – I mean, he's not going to continue at a point a game on the road. Is he? If he does, he's going to win the Calder. Yeah, if he does, yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. the, the one interesting part of that home is that a lot of his development has come in recent weeks and his opportunity to play with the best players and in the top situation, whether that's on the number one power play at the end of a game and in overtime, uh, he's earned all that recently at home. So he should get more opportunity on the road than he was getting earlier in the season. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my one caveat of I think he actually can do this because they trust him to do it. They they need him to do it, and they're going to put him out in situations where he'll have the opportunity to do it. So They're going to put him out in those situations, but the opposition is going to put out their best defensive players yeah. in those situations too. That's, that's the difference between home and road, that you get last change as the home coach, and you can get really favorable matchups for – your top players or your young players. Yep. And uh, you can't get that from a stop anyway on the road as much as, as that. Yeah, um, and he's Kaprizov, not a secret anymore. Kaprizov in uh, Minnesota is, is spectacular. If you've watched any of their games, Kirill uh, Kaprizov is electric. Now, yeah. he has the luxury of having played a couple of years against men, right? Wasn't he in the KHL? Yes. Yes, and How he's a little bit he, older. I think way. he's 24, maybe. Okay. Which leads me to remembering how deeply Mike Madonna got <laughs> jobbed by a 32-year-old uh, rookie, Sergei Makarov, uh, for the Calder in 88? I think it was 88, 89. No, he was drafted 88, so I think it was 89 because he didn't come in that first year. Either or, it way back in a, the day. prompted a rule change. Yes. Too late and a needed, for Mike to a win needed rookie rule of the year. change. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine, like, we sit and we and people criticize the league for all, all the little minutiae that, I mean, they've done just a spectacular job of navigating this thing uh, around this pandemic. Like, if it was the old days, we'd, we'd be like the, the Endeavor or whatever that boat was that was sideways in the Suez Canal. <laughs> Just that would be the there. league right now. <laughs> like, think about it. They allowed a 32-year-old Russian who had been playing uh, at the highest level for over a, a decade and a half, really, probably, right? Yeah. He played on the A on member the of the greatest Soviet line National in the history team. of the world, yeah, right? The yeah. KLM line. Yeah. He's in his early 30s, and he wins Rookie of the Year in the NHL ahead of a, a fuzzy, all-American, uh, bright-eyed, and super-talented uh, teenager in Mike Madonna. Yeah, what just out joke. of braces, I think Mike was. What? Yeah, I think he did have some metal in the grill. <laughs> what an absolute clown act that was. They used then. to joke that this really was five guys in their mom's basement putting the league together. Oh, my God. <laughs> and and I, for I a while looked, there, it really did feel like that. 
I mean, you you could you could fill a four hour podcast with just the dumb crap that the league did back, uh, not that long ago, but long enough ago. Anyway, yeah. it prompted a, a rule change for eligibility, uh, and it's now is it twenty five and under? And then there's I think a bunch it's of either twenty five or twenty six. It may have been twenty six for all. Yeah, I think it's it twenty. Yeah, under twenty six. I think that's yeah. how it's stated. That's what it is. I yeah. should have probably read the rule book before. That's nah, fine. I did this, we, but. we all. We kind of know what where it is, and then there's some convoluted games played parameters in Correct. there too that make you either eligible or not eligible. Yeah, but anyway, that's how they worked it around. As as of right now, we're almost in April. There's basically a month and a little bit, month and a half left in in this season, and he's, I I think he's one of the finalists as we yeah, see right with now. I agree with you. I'm going to throw a wild card in. I think Lankinen. If he can continue to help Chicago limp along and and how if he old could is help he? Get, he's like twenty six, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is too. But he's a no, rookie. No, he's not twenty six. I think he's twenty four, maybe. Yeah, but he also but, has played against men over yeah, in the, 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 Europe. I, I have I have so much more hope and belief that it should be guys that only have like let's say a year of pro. Yep, I, I really do like. You know, if Robertson a year in the American Hockey League or those other guys a year in the Swedish Pro League or the Russian Pro League or the Swedish Pro League or whatever it is. Right. But if you've played, you know, three, four years in a pro league and then you come here, you shouldn't be eligible for rookie of the year. I'm you with really you. shouldn't. Yeah. Another solid statement by me. You're just dropping truth bombs. All well, I only have podcast. one left. So if you guys have anything that you would like to dangle, here's your time. Go ahead. <laughs> I can't top that. All right. Here's all right, my Totsie, truth bomb. Totsi's quit. He's in Nashville. He doesn't he's, care. Yeah, he's already out. Yeah, I think the Stars are going to make the playoffs. I, I just think they've been too good. If you look at those other teams, I, I just think that they're going to make the playoffs. And I know that's a Homer point of view, but it's just something in my gut that says they've had too many bad things happen so far. They're due for some good things. So there's my prediction. It's not really a truth bomb. It's just a something that I hope is uh, true that is no, in my Mike, gut. Mike, if you're going to do it, do it properly. The stars okay. will make the playoffs. That that's they will. Your statement. That is. I that's believe your it. truth. You're speaking your truth. In my heart. Well, I believe that as well because even if you just take them at their pedestrian point of game that they've done for thirty, what is it, thirty-two games now? They're not even at. They fell below, right? They're thirty-one and yeah, thirty-two they are now. now. Yeah. But let's say they're a point of game. Well, they have four games in hand still on basically everybody. Yep. So get their one point there. They're six back out of a playoff spot. I can do the math quickly. Six minus four. They would be two points back. Just with just just by doing what they've been doing, and oh my lordy, if they could, you know, win three games in a row or something, <laughs> that that would catapult them above that point of game, and they would be a playoff team at the end of the year. Yeah, there I did the math. I don't even need any of the fancy math or arithmetic. <laughs> Any of the analytics, I just do it with straight mathematics. See what happens when you get to grade nine in uh, Canada? You learn everything. Grade nine, you said it right, too. <laughs> I know, that's why I said it that way. Yeah, grade 10. There's not a, there's not a more awkward-sounding thing now to me as an American 
that I am than here in grade 10. (laughs) (laughs) What is wrong with Canadians? Uh, Okay, personal announcement, personal announcement. Tomorrow will be my last game on Fox Sports Southwest ever. Oh, no. Something happening? Bally's Sports Network begins on the 31st. Bam! Nailed it! Woo! (laughs) Got us. Not even April 1st. It's not even April 1st. (laughs) That's an early one. Can you imagine people just lost their minds hearing that? I know. That they could not have the Razor Boy in their ear canals in the future. Somebody just clicked out of the podcast in grief. (laughs) They fainted. (laughs) Like a fainting goat. I uh, know we're pretty excited about this. Uh, it's I know there's been all kinds of issues with actually being able to uh, consume uh, the channel this year because of carriage and all that. I'm not getting into that. That's out of my world. Uh, but I, I, I deal more in what we sound like and what we look like. Uh, whether, whether you can actually consume it or not is a different uh, area of... Uh, the world that I'm not in, but we are going to look unbelievable. Like new graphics package, new music, all this stuff coming. And so that would be, if it's the 31st, that would mean the second game in Nashville will look different than the first game in Nashville. How about that? Impressive. As a person who now consumes a telecaster. Yes, you do. That's (laughs) that's part of your world, isn't it? It is part of my world. Uh, Will the content be different? Does Bally's have a different idea of what is interesting to the uh, viewer at home? Uh, And that's uh, immediately that's going to be the concern of many will be the idea that that. uh, Oh, my God. Is it just going to be one uh, gambling site? mention after another and they that's one thing they told us in our lengthy zoom meeting that we're it's going to be business as usual as far as how we cover the game we're just Good. covering the game so uh at an emmy level i might add and uh <laughs> Multi- there's no emmy level <laughs> there's there's no question that uh and they use the the word gamification uh and you're going to hear a lot of that I mean, it's coming. It doesn't matter what channel or what sport you're watching. It, that, that's going to be a reality yeah. with sports gambling. Uh, so, And it, it, it'll come as well. Well, if you look, if you noticed during that homestand, there was a new uh, ad on the boards in the corner from the NHL that had gamification on it. Did you see that? I did not. I did not yeah. notice it. Yeah, but so it is interesting just – you know, it is. especially it at is NCAA time with the bracket and with different things. I mean, when you invest in the game, whether that's emotionally or financially or whatever, it does, it improves the product, I think, because you have more tied to the results of whatever it may be. And same with fantasy football and same with, I mean, it's just, it's where sports is nowadays. Yeah. It, it Look, uh, it's a very visual medium television. Are you aware of that? I've heard that before. I I like to just like listen uh, and with my eyes closed. Well, you know, in in all seriousness, how how you you look, how you present the game visually and audibly has changed. And you can ruin a game 
with just the sounds of the game. I, I think the people that have put this together, not so much what I'm talking about here with Bally's coming, just everybody doing these games in the manner that they have to do it right now in the, in the pandy, it, it's incredible. It's wizardry what they've done. Yeah. You know, and it started back in the bubble with making it sound like there's actually people in the building when you're on the air, some of it better than others, but at least a little bit of ambiance because if you don't have that, if you don't have microphones in the right place, if you don't have the, you know, the audio guys that we have on our broadcast here at home on uh, soon to be Bally's, uh, the, there's, there's just an incredible uh, talented group of people that make it look and sound as great as it is. And I, I wish at some point you could go back and, you know, even 15 years and watch it certainly go back to standard def and try to watch and listen to the game and think, how did anybody ever watch a game like that? You know, like without high def and without microphones everywhere where you can hear skates and, and pucks off the glass and pucks off stick this year, you can hear, uh, celebrations after goals because too much celebration sometimes because of, of the uh, emptiness of, of buildings and you don't have that sort of din of the fans in there. So you you hear very clearly the, you know, something rights boys and yeah, <laughs> they run that <laughs> thing up and down in there. But it, it's, it's going to look, uh, I think, just spectacular. You, you'll notice right away, like it'll... It, it it it's like a uh, it's like going from from just your entry level to like platinum level. Yeah, that's that's how big a uh, leap forward it'll be visually. So I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, yeah. And 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 like I I've gone years without watching a whole lot of your broadcast because oh, thanks, I'm in the same Mike. arena that makes with me you. feel good. You know what? I've but gone my, decades without reading know, your without crap. Reading my How's stuff? that? My point being is getting exposed to that in the playoffs in the bubble last year. And then this season, when you guys are on the, when they're on the road, it, it's a wonderful product. Like, I mean, I get so much more watching the broadcast than I do sitting up a mile from the ice in the press box with nobody giving me nothing. Uh, it, it really you know, you is can fun. listen to us inside the uh, building. I know, well. but, but I don't, you know, I, I, I like the graphics. I like we, you guys. We I like the, the, we are the magic intermission of the shows. I know. Yes. But it's wonderful. I, I, I really, I've really grown to appreciate it in the last year, just how good it is. So congratulations to you guys and to Bally's for getting your talents. All right. Well, great. We've petted each other here now at the end of this year. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, I'm out of statements now. Uh, takes, tall tale truths, all of that. Totsi, you have nothing, right? You just want to get on with... Uh, I got nothing. Smashville and see whether there's bachelorette parties going on there. Is is Smashville wide open, by the way, I wonder? I've I know heard, they had some flooding issues, but yeah, I've, uh, I've as heard. far as their downtown in that, or have they kept it trimmed or are they back on like Florida was? Yeah, I feel like what I've seen on social media the past couple of weeks is Broadway is hopping as usual. Hmm. Hasn't missed a beat. There you go. Wear a mask and uh, send some stuff back for us, okay? You got it. On the Soch. Our thanks to Duncan for bringing this edition of uh, Rinky Dinking to you. My thanks, as always, to the great Jeff Totes who puts this together. Mike. Mike Heike. Mike. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I just love that. And, uh, that's an insider. But anyway. Okay, Mike. Are you done? 
<laughs> I'm done. Uh, right. I, I'm done irritating people. That's usually when they use the word Mike. Well, for a few hours anyway. Now <laughs> it's right. up to all of you out there to live your own truth for another week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.